Podcast City Network. Listener discretion is advised. It is time to play. You're listening to the Everett Lee Show. Let's go! A shot of entertainment to the head. No doubt. Sit back, relax, put your drinks up, and enjoy the entertainment. Okay. Now we come to the payoff. Let's rock. Welcome, everyone, to the Everett Lee Show podcast. I'm Everett Lee. Quick shout-out to everyone who follows me on Twitter. You can follow me at the Everett Lore Score Lee and Facebook.com slash Everett Lee. Click that thumbs up. And, of course, Podcast Scene Network, the official host of the Everett Lee Show. Well, ladies and gentlemen, tonight, got a great podcast tonight. I have a guest on that... Has not been on Everett Lee's show podcast for a, quite a while, man. I want to give a nice warm welcome to the host of Wrestle Popcast and Robin Nelson Presents Files 13. I want to welcome back to the podcast after a long hiatus away, Robin Nelson. What's up, man? Hey, it's a, it's a pleasure to be on, man. It's been a long time. I've just been a busy guy. I know. You are busy. You are busy. I'll tell you one thing that makes you real busy is all the guests you got coming on that comes on for Russell Popcast and Files 13. It's it's crazy, man, because during the week, I'm sitting there looking at Podcasting Network. I'm working on my show. I'm working on everyone's show, getting social media out there, updating the website, and looking at all the content coming in for podcastcity.net and then here you come boom you hand me an episode and then an hour later boom another episode you throw three on my lap in one night <laughs> sometimes man it's like damn <laughs> oh, oh, oh my gosh that is so crazy man I, I'm just getting guests after guests man um, shoot, maybe I should take a little break for a while since I've interviewed over 295 guests is that how many guests you have? Because you never really, I never really seen you count or have a count on episodes and stuff. I was just wondering. I was going to ask you one day and say, "Hey, yeah, how many podcasts?" Uh, I, I looked at it. Yeah, I looked at it last time. It was like two hundred ninety. I have two hundred ninety episodes. Two hundred and ninety episodes. God dang, yes, man! Sir. Congrats, congrats. <laughs> That is that is. I know it's just it's just amazing, and I know I keep on you know uh, you know like uh, you know giving you all these episodes and stuff, but it's just fun. I just like I just like interview I just like interviewing and learning different things each way I go. <laughs> yeah, it's it's that's that's what it's about, man. It's like getting guests. I know uh, when you get get a guest or guest hit you up. I I know one night I was sitting there talking to you, and we're sitting there talking FaceTiming. You're like camera goes off you're like hey hold on a second and then you're you're like i got a message 
And you're like, someone wants to come on a podcast. Hold on. And then you're like, okay, I'm good. <laughs> and then it's like, hold on again. And you go off. And then you're like, okay, all right. All right. Scheduling interviews, it's like people are reaching out to you. How do you feel about that with people actually reaching out and saying, hey, I want to come on your podcast. I want to promote this going on or I want to do this and just talk about things. Hey, about that? hey, I like it. Um, like I said, I you know have interviewed over 290 people. I've been doing this for about like two years, and um, it, it's great because you know um, I just get word of mouth because every time I have somebody on, they en- they enjoy it stuff. They said I have the uh, you know great fun you know coming on your show. You know it's neat um, to talk about other subjects besides wrestling. Which I do on my podcast, I'll talk about, you know, how they got into business and, you know, their memorable moments. But I like to uh, also push it to the other side, what they enjoy outside the ring, you know, like hobbies, any other great stuff. And it makes the guests feel more relaxed and and they really enjoy it, you know, because they'll be like, you know something, I'm glad I never get a chance to talk about what I like besides wrestling. You know, thank you for that. And then, you know, and also I go to, like, different wrestling promotions everywhere and stuff, and I get people coming up to me going, hey, aren't you Robin Nelson from Wrestle Podcast? It's like, yeah, and, you know, there's a lot of people I don't know, you know. It's like, or or people come up to me, you know, it's like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. That's great. And now, when, when you're um, – Go ahead. When you're doing – when you're – coming when you get a guest say you contact a guest or a guest contacts you and they want to come on you set the date you set the time and everything how do you prepare for that guest how do you prepare how what do you what do you do do you already know that guest off already and you already know what you're going to ask or do you go ahead and jump in do some research get the notes ready and then you fire off from there it, it depends on the guest. If I'm not real familiar with a guest I'm having on that I want to share the story, because um, I like to share stories of, you know, wrestlers in the Indies, you know, I like to get their, you know, story out if they appeal to me, you know. Um, if I'm not quite sure who I don't know who they are, um, I'll go and, you know, look all over social media, do research on their matches, find out what they enjoy outside the ring. And then, you know, talk to him a little bit to, you know, fill them out to make it, you know, more comfortable between us when I do my shows, you know, instead of being awkward going, uh, uh, what should I ask next? But if I know the wrestler real well and, you know, for a long time, um, I really don't really need to take notes because I know what to ask. I know what they like. I know how to, you know, steer the show to make it really good to get their story out there. Oh, okay. Okay. That's that's awesome how you how you do that and how you just you already know the guest you already know what to ask and then doing the research and stuff. Has there ever been a guest? And I've had this before. I had this actually a few weeks ago. A guest where you don't really have nothing on them, and where do you go with questions? Well, um, if they don't have nothing on them, if I don't see anything on like YouTube or anything about them. Um, I will, I will, I will pry in their social media if they have like Facebook or Twitter. I'll pry and just scroll down there and find certain things that appeals to me to ask that question, and just go down there, and then you like take notes on it. So when I have them on, you know, uh, they'll be like, "Hey, how'd you know about this and this?" You know, because I'm not that much on YouTube or whatever. Um, basically, what you need to do is just uh, go look if they have social media. Just 
go on there and see what they like and, you know, what their matches are, or, you know, especially ones who are just starting out that's only, like, had, like, one or two uh, matches, you know, starting out. You know, you just got to look in there and see where they trained at, just look at some of their matches and stuff that they do, and that's how you do it when you can't really find somebody. Or another way to do it, too, if you can't find anything is um, you look at some of the uh, wrestlers or their mutual friends they've worked with and go talk to them, you know, to uh, get some information or they'll steer you the right way to, you know, get that correct research so you can have that successful podcast. Mm, Okay. I've never never really thought it that way. I never really thought about asking asking the uh, guest you know, friends and about you know some information and stuff and speaking of friends Mr. Deathmatch Russell podcast is in the Twitch chat he says hello Everett Lee and your guest the one and only Mr. Brother Love of Wrestling Mr. Robin Nelson Russell Popcast and he says big props to my friend Robin killing the pods <laughs> thank you so much Mr. David C. Russell rock on brother rock keep on, on doing what you're doing man yeah <laughs> definitely <laughs> definitely I he's probably sitting there smiling. He's probably getting all excited. He's probably going, "Oh yes, I wish I was in this conversation." Dang it! Oh man, I'm I'm, I'm jumping for joy right now. <laughs> <laughs> he probably is. He probably is. Yes, sir. He said. <laughs> but David, just like Damien said a few weeks ago or a couple weeks ago. Uh, it's just me and Everett <laughs> tonight. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you got to love Damien. See, Damien Sane is a great, uh, um, you know, uh, pro wrestling manager. He's, he's managed a lot of great people, especially nice. he's managed this seven foot giant named Paxton Calloway over at, uh, battle of the border pro wrestling, uh, they uh, did him love him to run that, paired him up with Paxton Calloway, and you need to check out some matches. He's a big boy, and recently he was at the uh, WWE Training Center uh, training and learning because they were eyeing him. And, you know, and uh, when, uh, Damon, when Damian Saint is with him, uh, he, he makes Paxton look good. Um, Damian Saint, I have a lot of great things. He's a great guy. Uh, you know, he's a great manager. He's also, you know, refereed a lot of matches, too, and he's outside of Chicago. And yeah. um, he's, he's a great friend, and I got to know him pretty well. You know, I consider him, you know, like, like a friend, not like acquaintance or anything. Uh, he's just a cool all-around guy. Mm-hmm. He is. I, I love talking. I love talking with Damien. I had him on a couple weeks ago. I hit him up uh, a month ago when I was preparing for guests to have, and I was talking with him. I actually hit him up. It was during uh, WrestleMania weekend, during WrestleMania 35. I was sitting there watching the uh, yeah. Hall of Fame, and remember the incident where Bret Hart got jumped by that crazy idiot that jumped him? I Oh, yeah, and it. And, and then the funny thing about that is afterwards when he got, like, arrested, did you see Ronda Rousey's husband co-cock him? <laughs> yeah. I got on Twitter there. <laughs> I got on Twitter there, and I was looking at the stuff that people are putting out there on him and just what happened. And I sent out some things to people on Messenger there. I messaged people. I was like, dude. I was like, Bret Hart got jumped at the Hall of Fame, and I hit Damien up. And Damien was like, dude. He's like, I was at a show tonight, and someone jumped – tried to jump uh 
jump one of the workers there. I was like, what? And he's like, and in some other place, another, it was like, a, he's like, was it a full moon out tonight? Because people jump in a barricade, it's jumping talent. It was just crazy. And so I was talking with Damien and I asked him, I was like, what you, um, haven't had you on my podcast one-on-one. I know you've did deleted wrestling podcast and you've done ELS Uncut. I was like, why don't you come on Everett Lee's show? We'll just, you know, shoot shit. And he said, yeah, book it. So I had him come on a couple weeks, and it was just great. He really good guy. And when you went to, was it, has it been about two years or a year since you went to, uh, it was last year, All In, up in Chicago. And you went to StarCast, and you met Damien there. He was there doing a, um, was it EHF? Uh, show or he was doing something he was doing a show there or, and you met up with him how was that oh it was pretty cool man um it, it was just neat how we first met it felt like you know we knew each other we weren't like complete strangers it was pretty cool mm-hmm. so um you know i got to talk to him a little bit get to know him and then for dinner um uh, he um, came up to uh meet my friend david and i uh, david stockwell and he met us at the Tilted Kill for dinner with him and his wife. And um, we had a great conversation, you know, eating dinner and stuff. It, it, it was a blast, you know, you know, finally meet Damien. Yeah. And then, you know, and then after that, you know, I just like, you know, talked to him on social media or, you know, or called him. And then when I found out he was going to be part of Battle on the Border, that got really cool. So um, nice. I, every time he's at, because he's part of Battle on the Border now. But um, every time he comes up there, we we shoot the shit. That's that's cool. That is that's cool. He's a good guy. I I love talking with him. I love talking with him. I love just uh, everything he does. And I was teasing about how he, I couldn't find really nothing on wrestling on his social media when he was using that anonymous like message app thing. If yeah, up his whole yeah. timeline. And I even mentioned on the podcast. I said, dude. <laughs> I was trying to look up some stuff on you, and all I seen was anonymous said, anonymous said, and he explained that, which was a trip, which is trip, which is like the new thing. I, I'm assuming that uh, people use now. But wasn't he when you cut the famous promo with Tony Schiavone there at Starcast? Damien was Damien was he there with you at Starcast too, or because he mentioned some things? He mentioned how you should do the promo where you go up and do promos with Tony Schiavone and you did like a whole 180, but it turned out like fucking fantastic, man. <laughs> oh, it was great. He told me that him and David both told me that I, I, I kind of slipped in wrestle podcast as well. And Tony Schiavone really uh, said wrestle podcast on it as well, which was pretty cool. And I like to thank Damien and uh, David for that. And the cool thing is um, on Tony Schiavone's podcast, he picked out his favorite four um, promo interviews he did with the people at StarCast, and mm-hmm. me and David were uh, were one of the four, and he played our uh, promo interviews on his podcast live. And and the thing about it is, me and David didn't know about that, so um, one of my uh, friends called me and said, hey, Rob, you're on Tony Schiavone's podcast. And I was like, no, I'm not. <laughs> I saw him at StarCast, but... Uh, um, I'm not on this. I'm not on this. He goes, go listen to it. And boom, he played my promo, me doing it with him and David's promo as well. 
um, which was pretty cool. And then from there, uh, David and I uh, went to Nashville to the NWA 70th anniversary show. And we bumped into Tony again, and Tony totally remembered us, man. It was, it was pretty cool. <laughs> That's that is awesome, man. That that is cool. That is cool. What do you what do you say? What do you say to you when you met, ran into him again? Oh, uh, he said, "Hey, that's Robin, the man with no gimmick." <laughs> Damn, that's that's great. <laughs> that's that's. And uh, he was he was he was standing there with Jim Cornette, and Jim Cornette was just like. Cordette was just like rolling his eyes. It was hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. That's great. Oh, I, I met I met Cornette. I met Jim Cornette back in July. It was around or June. It was June of last year. That wrestling uh-huh. event came to Orlando, and I was listening to Cornette's podcast. And Cornette said. If you want a chance to see me in, in in the state of Florida, I'm going to be at this event, and this is the only event I'm going to be at in Florida for this year. I had to go. Yeah, I had to go. I was supposed to have a friend of mine go with me, but he ended up not going because he had to work. And I sent there. My wife bought the ticket and photo op already and didn't tell me until the last minute, and I was like, I got to go. So I drove down the highway to hell, I forward Orlando, through Orlando, thank God for GPS. I got there, found a place to park, got in, and went down, and it seemed like forever in this hotel where they were having at, at this hotel or, or place, and eventually I got down to where it was at, and when I walked in there, I was like, wow, this is great, and then I walked over and seen Cornette and talked with him for for. A minute and I was wearing a Jimmy Hart shirt because of Jimmy Jimmy Hart's uh, barn grill that's here in Daytona or actually was in Daytona um, it's not here anymore um, he relocated over to uh, Tampa and uh, I was talking with Jim and stuff and then viewing right now on the live stream you can see behind me I got a Jim Cornette figure and I got his autograph the the figure the funny thing about the figure is I don't know if I ever told you about it there was a guy there selling merchandise and Cornette's figure the one that's on the wall right behind me was just sitting right there I said to the guy I said you got Jim Cornette figure let me look at that and I'm looking at it and I was like no one's bought this the guy's like no I said Jim Cornette's standing three feet right there really i said that's crazy is like, how much you want for this and so i bought it and i went over there and i bugged cornet again and he signed it for me which was pretty awesome man and how is it when i know when you go to a lot of wrestling events and you go to like fan convention um convention you know for for like wrestling and when you meet wrestlers like Cornette and that same caliber or just, you know, like workers and stuff. How is it for you when you meet, meet them? It, I know, and I know it has to be all good, right? Oh yeah, it's very good. Um, when I go, um, you know, I've done podcasting at different shows, you know, I do like heroes and legends up in Fort Wayne, Indiana every year. Mm-hmm. And, uh, when I, when I go out and meet these, uh, you know, wrestlers, 
I mean, if I'm if I have a table and podcast and interviewing, I'm I'm strictly professional. I mean, I want to I want to mark out like any other guy and be a fan. I mean, everybody's a wrestling fan. You can be a pro wrestler and be a fan of another wrestler, but me, I'm always professional when I'm you know doing my podcast and. You know, I don't show an ounce of mark in this, you know, but if um, there's like a regular fan, you know, I'll, I'll mark out, but I won't let them know. You know, I just treat them like a normal person, like I'm talking to you on the street, like how we're talking right now. Right. Um, and uh, that's that's how you do it. And then um, I have indie wrestlers, you know, that been on my show and all that, and they see me at these different events, and they'll come up and say hi to me, and I've built a lot of great friendships with some of these wrestlers as well. You know, and I've made some friends of some, you know, uh, bigger names as well. You know, you know, I got their, you know, phone numbers, and you know, we talk once in a while and stuff. But you know, I never give out their numbers to anybody. But you know, I've got a lot of numbers. <laughs> <laughs> but, but speaking of Jim Cornette, um, uh, David was with me, and uh, we interviewed him at Heroes and Legends last year. The funniest videos ever. At first, it started off he was ragging on Donald Trump, and yeah. you know I was sitting there rolling my eyes and go, "This is you know my mind's like I don't want to talk political." He was just rubbing on, uh, ribbing on uh, Donald Trump, and then finally after he got done, David was asking some questions, and then uh, and I asked him some questions, and then he looked at me what I was wearing. He's like, "Hey, where'd you get that um, outfit at? Did you grab that out of a dumpster from a soup kitchen?" <laughs> yeah, I remember that. <laughs> That video was great, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He said, "Yeah, where'd you get the outfit? At? Yeah, from a soup kitchen. You know, from dumpster behind a soup kitchen." And then, uh, what did he say to you? <laughs> oh, he was, he was, he was ripping on, he was ripping on me and David, and uh, and it was so hard not to laugh. I was interviewing. I handed them. I was holding the microphone, but I, didn't, I was so laughing so hard I didn't hold it the right way. He goes. That's not how you hold a microphone to interview somebody. You do it like this. <laughs> yeah, he took it and he just went off. <laughs> that was that was great. That was great. Getting getting a promo cut on you by Jim Cornette. That's actually an honor. If you get if you get a promo cut on you by Cornette, you were that's that's an honor basically because he's a legend. You know he he's a freak. He's a freaking legend. <laughs> Oh, heck yeah, he is, man. And, you know, um, like I said, I've met a lot of big names. Um, one of my uh, uh, favorite interviews I did, I had a NWA legend on, Nikita Koloff. Yes. That was a great, great interview. He's a very humbled man, and it's just great interviewing, um, you know, some of the guys back from the day. They have, to me, when you interview them, it's so easy. You really don't have to do any research. You can just answer certain questions and they flow with it, which is great. You don't have to worry about answering questions because, mm -hmm. you know, they'll take it over, you know, which is pretty cool. But man, he was, he was a great interview, man. He was, he was, I listened to, I listened to that episode. I loved it, man. And what do you, what do you think about that? This guy is Russian. Okay. Character wise, Russian sang national anthem, got a lot of heat back in the day, and people just hated him. And then he's actually a guy from Chicago. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Well, he grew he grew up in a very he grew up poor in the projects and um, um, out there as well, you know. And um, 
when he was growing up, he wasn't really a wrestling fan. He was focusing on playing football because he got, you know, he went to play college football. He was scouted out by the NFL as well. And then he played football with Road Warrior Animal. And Road Warrior Animal's like, hey, man, you know, once you try, you know, wrestling. So uh, when uh, Jim Crockett called him up, you know, he didn't he didn't go to no uh, training school at all, man. They just pushed him in right in there. So when he did it, um, his first, you know, TV taping for NWA, you know, um, he didn't he, he didn't have any wrestling training. He went in there and did his thing and won his match. And um, speaking of the Russian accent, um, he he had a story back, you know, like in the '80s, uh-huh. where they went to go wrestle wrestle in Kuwait. And uh, the Russian ambassador thought he was, like, really legit Russian and wanted to stay at the Russian embassy. So, uh, you know, he almost got in trouble. So he had to tell me that it wasn't really Russian. Well, the ambassador was like, you need to take the CCP and everything off. And he's like, okay. So when he was um, wrestling Sergeant Slaughter at the time, he goes, you know, it was so messed up, Rob. And I was like, what's that? He goes, you know, it was sitting in the front row. It was that same Russian ambassador and his wife. <laughs> that's 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 great. Yeah that that was that was crazy right there when he brought up that story right there because you didn't you didn't think <laughs> something like that would happen, you know. Or another story he talked about too. He was in the running with Dolph Lundgren for the role of Ivan Drago for Rocky Four. Yeah. And uh, he, he tested with Stallone as well as Dolph Lundgren, you know, and uh, Nikita had the, you know, per, the, everything perfect with Stallone said, but they decided to go for uh, Dolph Lundgren. Yeah. Yeah. Because, because didn't he say, didn't he say it was because it's just Nikita was, it just, he looked like he could destroy Stallone, and they or it was mm-hmm. something like that. And he was taller than Stallone, wasn't he? Because Stallone Stallone's tall, but uh, yeah, Nikita, no, he's not really tall. No, uh, Stallone uses Stallone uses. Uh, he has like little stilts on his shoes to make him look taller. He's a short guy. Oh, okay, okay. I I didn't know that. <laughs> I didn't know that. <laughs> but he just he towered him, but. Um, that that podcast right there was just freaking great. I love that. And two of my that was out of, out of three my top favorite three podcasts that you've done in the last What's that? two two years. Number three would be Nikia Koloff right there. Number two okay. would be Hillbilly Jim when he sang for you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh that was great. Hillbilly Jim sang for me. Sing a song from Creed. Yeah. Did you know uh, Hillbilly Jim may be a wrestler, but he's a big, you know, uh, lover of music, especially yeah. rock and all that. And, um, you know, he has a, a satellite show on Outlaw Country on, uh, you know, Sirius XM. And uh, he has a whole, you know, guitar collection and stuff, you know. Besides wrestling, he's also a talented musician. And then um, on Live on My Show, he busted out one of his guitars and played a cream <laughs> song for me. And then after that, he sang his... Uh, theme song interest entrance to me as well <laughs> how how do you what was going what the hell was going through your mind because you in your mind i know you figured okay this is how it's going to go tonight i'm going to ask him questions i'm going to ask him about his career ask him how he started and then get into talking about some other things and then all of a sudden 
he started when you mentioned he's a fan of music and he plays he's like oh yeah want to hear a song and all of a sudden he he's playing what the hell was going through your mind when that when he busts out the guitar and start jamming right there on your show <laughs> i was completely speechless <laughs> completely speechless i think i would be too i think i would be too was that like the first guest that's ever like pulled out a guitar and say hey i'm gonna play your song and it start just playing yeah it was oh uh, it was yeah it was the first it was great and then you know when i have like ring announcers on i'll have them you know go on their ring announcement and announce me which is pretty cool too <laughs> <laughs> And and what was and what was the other interview uh, besides Hillbilly and Nikita? You said there was like three. There's three. My top favorite one was when you had Coco Beware on. I love that. Oh God, that was great. He was, that was great. He was he was so fun. He got like really deep into his you know life growing up and everything. Oh yeah, that 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 one was definitely a fun episode too. You gotta love you gotta love some Coco Beware. And speaking of podcasts, um, I had a podcast last night mm-hmm. with a guy uh, named uh, you know Rapid Delivery Roy Fox. And remember back in the '90s when they did those MTV True Life on Be a Professional Wrestler? Yes, I was gonna well, ask you about about that but we're gonna take a break we want to give a shout out to the sponsors of podcast city network the following support and sponsor podcast city network city limits tap room sports bar in the land florida has brew on tap serve food the grilled cheese is excellent for upcoming events check out city limits tap room on facebook.com slash city limits tap room morph tea a comfortable and lightweight 100 percent polyester t-shirt with illustrated morph characters that when worn will make the illustrations seem to come to life for more of tony rodriguez's work you can see his full line of apparel at teespring.com sports sanity customs have worked with organizations from custom embroidering polo shirts to jerseys for your kids baseball team they do it all Armed with state-of-the-art equipment and an in-house design team, they are equipped to take on your next project. Visit their website to learn more, sportsanitycustoms.com. Visit Sports Sanity Customs on Facebook.com slash Customs. Three Count Design offers a wide range of graphic design products, video, photography and other forms of media. Everything from t-shirt designs to websites. Visit Facebook.com slash 3 Design for more. Demo Blast Studios, an explosion of imagination. Original artwork, podcasts, video, apparel and more. Visit DemoBlastStudios.com. Visit DemoBlast Studios on Facebook.com slash Studios, the best family entertainment pro wrestling show in the state of Kentucky. Kentucky's own wrestling brings quality family vintage wrestling to a town near you. Kentucky's Own Wrestling offers a ladies' division in wrestling and a training school. Kentucky's Own Wrestling is the current longest-running Southern promotion. Visit Facebook.com slash Somerset Kentucky's Own Wrestling. All supporters and sponsors are brought to you by Podcast City Network. You're listening to The Everett Lee Show. Yeah, Roy Fox. 
was the guy they uh, focused on where he drove to Cincinnati to get trained by Les Thatcher over at the, a- at the HWA, the Heartland Wrestling Association, where there's been a lot of big names that came out there, like uh, Dean Ambrose, uh, Eli Drake, Braxton Sutter, Sammy Callahan, the, uh, you know, uh, Dave and Jake Chris, uh, Kelly Klein, just a bunch of great names came out of that. So, yeah, um, they followed him. Uh, about him becoming, you know, a pro wrestler. And he, he learned from, you know, Les Thatcher and he wrestled for a little bit over in the HWA. And then later on, um, he wrestled over in the w, WWF at the time before it was the WWE. And, you know, he uh, had some great stories about when he was working for, you know, Vince. And then, you know, and then after that, he went and uh, got real big over um, wrestling all over Texas. And, um, it, it it was a um, if, you, if you get a chance to listen to it, you should. It it was a very fun podcast. He enjoyed so much. He had so much stuff to do. We're going to be doing a part two. <laughs> nice, nice. I remember watching that back in the nineties when that came on because it was great. Because I remember him trying to find a gimmick and stuff, and when he found the gimmick and everything, he went with it. And it was I, I can't believe he's still wrestling. I, I, for, I forgot about him, man. I didn't even know that he was still working. And it's amazing that he's still working to this day. That's that's amazing. And I don't really remember him back in WWE. I, I don't know. Did he do – did he – I'm going to have – Okay, I'll tell you a couple of cool WWE stories. Um, he okay. wrestled Haku. That, that was his first match ever. He wrestled Haku. Okay. And then, and then this, uh, a second run over in WWE, he uh, was on uh, ECW TV when they had the ECW show through WWF. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. And uh, um, he was known for the infamous tight uh, situation. He was wrestling Zack Ryder, and his tights ripped in half, just you know, trunks. Yeah. Why he was? Why he was uh, wrestling? And so, um, so from there, Chris Jericho uh, started, you know, getting a kick out of it, you know, about it. And he wrote that uh, that match and story in one of his books about that whole situation with um, Roy Fox. And uh, so uh, later on, uh, Roy goes up to Chris and he's like, "What's up with that? You know, you put me in your book, you know." Mm-hmm. So uh, Chris Jericho invited him to one of his concerts when he was doing Fozzie and he went to his tour bus and um, they did a uh, podcast interview where they talked about the whole thing because, you know, before uh, Chris and Zack Ryder would always laugh about that time. And then uh, Roy's like, what about me, man? I, you know, I want to share my side of the story. So yeah, it was pretty cool. <laughs> that's that's great. I I can't believe he's still wrestling, man. I I still can't believe he's wrestling. I remember watching him on MTV back in the day, made the Made series back in the day, and I did watch the episode where I want to be a pro wrestler, and they were talking about a lot of wrestlers, and they focused on him, and then they had they were taught they focused on Triple H in China at the time when they were together go, traveling around, yep. and then this other guy, I remember he was he was trying to be a wrestler that didn't work out for him and then he just he he quit but um rory rory just went on and i wow i can't believe that man that that's amazing i'm gonna have to listen to that episode i'm gonna have to listen to it because oh it was pretty good 
And Les Thatcher's gave him this gimmick. They called him Rapid Delivery. So yeah. they made him come out as a as a paper boy gimmick, riding that. a bicycle. <laughs> I remember that, man. I mean, <laughs> it's a gimmick, man. It, it has to work because when when you when you start wrestling, I mean, for example, you know, and I know this, you you start out. You got to start somewhere. Once you get in there, like look at Triple H terrorizing. <laughs> you remember that terrorizing? Yeah. <laughs> by trained by the killer Kowalski, you're terrorizing. You know, terror. You know, terrorizing, and he's like terrorizing <laughs> that, uh, like that. And then um, what is it, Dustin? Dustin? Um, Dustin Reynolds? Dustin? You know, Dustin Rhodes? You know, he was the natural Dustin Rhodes, and look, he became Gold Dust. Uh, one person, uh, John Moxley, Dean Ambrose. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah, Dean Ambrose, and and I love it how he's back to John Moxley again because I remember him during the HWA days, which we talked about as well. And I love that video, what he was doing. You know, he was breaking out of prison. You know, and I think that's like a slap to WWE. You know, it's like, hey, I'm breaking out of this. I'm not going to be controlled anymore. I'm going to be John Moxley. And I'm dying to see where he's going to go with the whole um, him going back as John Moxley. Right now, I think I think that's the greatest thing that's happening in indie wrestling right now. It is, it is. And did you notice that? You see, his contract ended last night at midnight. That video and that promo was dropped on his Twitter account, which of uh, John Moxley's Twitter account, which he hasn't used since. 2012 and yep. dropped on there like at 1201 and I woke up this morning and seen that John Moxley has bro- broke the internet and people are excited about it people were foreshadowing like that like like the prison thing I heard people talking about that they said yeah that's him basically breaking out of WWE or breaking out of the Ambrose Asylum then there's, you know, like the foreshadow of like the, you know, on the wall where you see like the numbers of like days. Yeah, they were teasing, they were teasing the numbers and the date for uh, double or nothing for uh, all elite wrestling. Yeah, 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 yeah. Double elite, yeah, du- double or nothing, and all elite wrestling. And in the Viper Room, when they showed the Viper Room, when you just walk in with the dice, this is two and five. That's something right there. And then him getting chased by the dog. It was supposedly supposed to be the big dog foreshadowing Roman Reigns. Just a lot of stuff going on in that, you know? Oh, and it was it was great in that two five dice you see him rolling. Um, that was like a uh, – it could be a tease for, you know, double or nothing at the All Elite Wrestling show in Vegas. That could be like a little tease too. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah. David says right here on the chat, he says that um, he said that uh, he was um, he was at the scene at uh, GCW at Mania Weekend. He says, Robin, he was seen at GCW at Mania Weekend. And he said, I told you, Everett, you might have told me, but I don't know. You tell me a lot of things, David. I can't think of it. Uh, what you have well, told me. Well, <laughs> well, like I said, Moxley is not a stranger to hardcore matches because, no. you know, when no. he, when he left HWA, he wrestled over at CCW Combat Zone Wrestling. He was in a lot of you know, uh, 
you know, bloody, you know, uh, yeah. death matches and hardcore matches too, where he started out before he was founded, you know, to the WWE. And so that's kind of neat him if he was there at uh, GCW or Game Changer Wrestling, which is another, you know, hardcore death match uh, promotion too. But they also have regular wrestling matches as well. So that's kind of cool. Mm-hmm. I didn't know he was at CGW. Uh, I do have to give props to David David C. Russell for po- pointing it out to me because I think on one of the podcasts one night I pulled up some John Moxley stuff and I was like, "Wow!" I was like, "I didn't know he was in this." And David was like, "Yeah, dude, he was in he was in CCW, man." I was like, "Wow, he was your champion." I thought that was amazing. What um, do you do? You think? He will go and show up at AEW. Do you think he will? What do you think, man? I I, I, I don't know, man. That's it's it's really hard to say. We just don't know what he's going to do. I mean, who knows what he's going to do in the Indies? He may just be saying, "Hey, you know, I'm coming back." Maybe he's going to do a run. Maybe he's going to um, take a little sabbatical for a little bit, relax. Who knows what he's going to do? We really don't know what you know Moxley's going to do. We'll just have to find out. Mm-hmm. And one thing about this, one thing about him, okay? Now he let his contract run out, and a lot of people yeah. don't realize this. He let his contract run out, where basically he didn't fall under that WWE no compete clause of getting released or getting fired. Yeah. So. He can do whatever, like at 12 on May 1st, 12.01, he can, he can have a match any place, any place, you know, long as he don't use the name Dean Ambrose, and that's, that's yeah. fine, you know, like if he does, if he got released or fired, then he has to wait 90 days and then go back, and then he, after 90 days, he's allowed to compete, but... I I am looking forward. I think he will end up in AEW. He may do a run in. I he may stay in the Indies, like you said. He may he may stay in the Indies. He may go to Game Changer Wrestling. That'd be great. Him doing something to Game Changer Wrestling. Show up at AEW. Do a run in. Do something. Do an angle and then leave. And then you don't hear nothing from him for like a while. And then he comes back and does something. And then I hear people talking about, oh, it's WWE just letting him. They're, they're, they're letting him. He's still he's still with them. He, he's going to become John Moxley. Okay. Now, dumbass that said this. And people that say this. Okay. If he comes out as John Moxley in WWE, they're still going to holler at him as Dean Ambrose. What? Yeah, that's stupid. <laughs> yeah. Right? Well, another thing about this, WWE wouldn't do that type of, you know, crazy video like that where he's all bloodied up and doing all that crazy stuff because they're focusing on more of a lighter tone. You know, they're you know, because uh, if they went back and tried to do the Attitude Era, it would it it, it would it wouldn't be as good how it was back in the day. I agree with you right there. I definitely agree with you right there. And one thing, one thing that gets me about this, about John Moxley, is that this video and this promo on his Twitter account was shot really good, like really professionally. It was shot about. It was shot excellent. He must have shot this ahead of time. 
He must have shot this months or weeks ahead of time and knew uh-huh. at 12.01 midnight on May 1st, he was he was a free man, free agent. He's going to put this out. He knew. Because what gets me is when I'm watching Raw and when Ambrose was on there, when John Moxley, Ambrose was on there, and then Corey Graves making the smart mark remarks to Renee Young. It's like, what's he gonna do now? He don't he don't have a plan. If he leaves, he don't decide to stay. And Renee's like, Oh yeah, he does have a plan. Because you know they're talking to him, you know, Vince or some idiots talking to him, you know, in the back they're talking in their ear and just saying that just to, you know, nag and just rib Renee about it. Like he ain't gonna do nothing. He don't have no plan. And Renee's like, yeah, he Renee Renee knows what his what her husband's doing, right? I mean, come on, of course, come on. They're married. And speaking of, um, you know, Moxley as well. He yep. was at the Cauliflower Alley Club in Vegas, uh, giving the award to his best friend uh, Cody Hawk, who got the trainer's award, and yes. um, Cody Hawk you know, um, trained, you know, Moxley, you know, and, um, Cody Hawk, you know, it's been around the wrestling business for a long time. He's, mm-hmm. he's wrestled everywhere. He's wrestled in WBS as well, but he's trained some big names besides Moxley. He's trained, uh, um, Braxton Sutter. He's trained, uh, Eli Drake, Sammy Callahan. Um, you know, he's, he's, um, Managed a lot of great big names that made names for themselves. He has, he has, and I, I've had, and you've had on students of his. I've had, and you've had on hardcore Heather Owens, uh, Shauna Reed. I've had her on. You've had her on, and that's your favorite wrestler, Shauna Reed. <laughs> I still oh, I know story. me. me and- <laughs> oh, I know. She told you that, sir. Me and her have that love-hate relationship. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. When I had her on, man, you told me you were giving me some, giving some good, um, some info and stuff because she, I, I hit you up and I said, hey, I'm gonna have Shauna Reed on, and you hit me right up, and I loved how you, you mentioned, you gave me some extra, extra notes and say mention this talk about that which really helped and when i brought your name up it was just it was funny <laughs> that, was, that was great and speaking yeah of, see go ahead go ahead no go ahead <laughs> i was gonna say speaking of shauna reed i love that video where she got in the ring there and you didn't know it was her and she did that ddt and then she pulled off the hoodie and the mask and it was her and she took off bat like a bat out of hell out of the ring <laughs> Oh yeah, she um she DDT'd Milton Mark Magnum. He is yeah. part of the code, you know, it's the code versus FGW, you know. Future Great Wrestling mm-hmm. is a great promotion over here in Cincinnati, Ohio, right. which is run by Brian and uh Cody Hawk. And uh yeah. it it's 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 a great promotion on Friday nights. They got a huge following. Um they they have like over you know um, over 300 fans that come every Friday to go watch your show. Um, it's it's a, it's a good time. Um, if you ever get a chance, just uh, check out Future Great Wrestling in Cincinnati, Ohio. Yeah, Future Future Great Wrestling. I know there for a while there they were having a problem because you were p- putting stuff up, and I I I helped you when uh, you put the thing out 
about yeah, um, great wrestling. That was messed up, but I'm glad everything turned out. But what what happened? What was the deal with that? Okay, well, Brian um, wa- wanted to do a show and uh, over in Hamilton, Ohio, which is you know um, outside of uh, Cincinnati, Ohio, uh-huh. and there's like the senior citizen community, which is right across the right there, right by the sports complex where they were going to have FGW. And these senior citizens were getting all freaked out, going, oh, no, it's wrestling fans, you know. Uh, wrestling fans are just a bunch of rednecks. They like to fight and beat up in the parking lot. They're going to come over to our community and rob us or ruin the deer trail or this and this and all that. So um, they um, got Brian and Future Great Wrestling, and they had to go to the city and Hamilton board, you know, to get the wrestling so and, and and plus, you know, Future Great Wrestling got a lot of media, which helped too. Uh, local news was sharing it, uh, newspapers, and they gave them a ninety-day trial period. You know, and they had like a cop there, you know, off-duty cop to make sure you know everything's going good. Right. So they had so they had ninety days. So they did their thing for ninety days. There was no trouble or anything, and the seniors at the community, you know, didn't have no problems. The cop who was, uh, you know, security and saying, I really don't need to be here because there's no riffraff or no trouble going on, you know, so why should I, you know, be here, you know? And then, um, like, not too long ago, they went back for the second meeting, and um, they all supported Future Great Wrestling in Hamilton, so they're off their 90-day probation period. Now they got their full shows now. Now um, everything's all cool. That's great. I'm I'm gl- I'm so glad that worked out. I'm so glad everything worked out and they got their shows and they're able to put on great entertainment and stuff. Uh, I'm has any any of the senior citizens like creeped on over there to check out and see you know what was going yeah, on. Yeah, actually actually there's <laughs> really? a few that came that um really enjoyed the show. The show's real great. It's 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 um it's like it, it's like old school. It has a it has a storyline like back in the eighties, you know, a lot of in ring psychology, good storylines. Right. And it's also fun for the whole family. You can bring your kids and everything too. So yeah. That's that's great. That's great. Now with Russell Popcast, you like talking about the paranormal with Files thirteen. Now What's been some of the most interesting guests you've had on Files 13? Ooh, um, I had uh, one, my one favorite one is I had Andrea Perrin on. She was one of the uh, kids who grew up in that haunted farmhouse that they based the film The Conjuring off. Yeah. Off of. And um, when I interviewed her, she said when they did the movie, it was like far-fetched. It was not really how it happened. Right. So she wrote three. She wrote three books on it, and they're going to get ready to do an accurate movie on there. And um, she told some stories, you know, all that crazy going on, you know, what happened, you know, um, during their stay in that farmhouse where her father was completely possessed. Um, they always saw weird stuff, and every time she left, that house would always attract her to come back. And um, um, there's some of the stories she got into it was like really hard for her because you know uh it was hard for her to talk she cried a little bit too man when she was sharing her story about living in that 
uh, farmhouse that was based off the conjuring. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. When I, when I saw, when you dropped, when you dropped that episode to me, to yeah. on the website, I was like, are you kidding uh-huh. me? I was like, she's, ta- he's talking with the lady who actually lived there. I was like, this is great. And you got a lot of, and when I put that out there for you, when I promoted it for podcasting network, a lot of people loved it, man. A lot of people loved it. I'm sure you got a lot of plays on that, didn't you? Oh, I got a lot of downloads on there, man. <laughs> oh, okay. Downloads. Hey, that's even better. <laughs> yeah, that's and even then better, man. That's even yeah, better. Yeah, and then I had another I had another guest on where, you know, Zach Baggins and all of them and a lot of big celebrities and um big, you know, paranormal um investigators went to this guy's house where he lived on the caddy corner from where Sharon Tate was murdered by the Manson clan right there. Uh-huh. Um, and that was, he said, uh, you know, Sharon, the ghost of Sharon Tate would frequently haunt him. His house is so haunted as well. He's got a lot of paranormal activity. It's like, it's like a giant, like paranormal magnet right there where he's attracting everything. Jeez. And, uh, he's, he's used to living there in that house. He says there's a lot of messed up stuff going on and yeah. And, uh, you know, his house is right, you know, down the street from where Sharon Tate was murdered. Right. Yeah, that that was messed up the whole Sharon Tate thing and because Manson was going back after um damn, what the hell? The drummer from the Beach Boys that lived there in that house, Brian, I think it was uh Brian Wilson, it's Brian yeah. Wilson, yeah. Yeah, he he went he went back there. And basically he thought Brian Wilson still lived there. But it was Sharon Tate. And then his crazy cult followers went in there and killed everyone, man. And that That's was crazy. messed up because they, they murdered her and uh, when she was pregnant, for Pete's sakes. Yeah. Yeah, that was that was messed up. It was just a messed up situation. It, it definitely was. I heard that that house in the early 90s went up for sale. And a rumor uh-huh. was I heard that Trent Reznor bought the house and recorded the whole downward spiral album in that house. <laughs> wow, that's wild. Man. Yeah, I heard that. I don't know if it's true or not. But I heard he bought the house and recorded the downward spiral there. And he, you know, the, with, you know, downward spiral is one of the great albums of the 90s because it had closer on it and uh, a lot of other yeah. stuff there. But Apparently, he bought that house. No one wanted to buy the house. No one wanted it because of what happened. Trent bought it, stayed there, recorded the downward spiral, and then I guess he sold it or he moved out or something. I don't know what happened, though, but I heard that uh-huh. that's, that's story there, that he actually stayed there and recorded the downward spiral, which I think it's just crazy, <laughs> you know? That is just um... <laughs> yeah, crazy. Yeah, that's why that album turned out like the way it did. <laughs> so who knows? He he's he's out there too. But he but he makes great music. He makes great music. He does. He oh yeah, does. he's he's like that unique artist. Mm-hmm. He is. He's just a great <laughs> artist. Now, besides wrestling, doing a wrestle podcast. Yeah. Besides doing the paranormal activity, 
you and me, we have a lot of things in common. And one of the things we have in common is we like comic book movies. We love comic book movies. And I'm going to say this right now to the viewers viewing right now. If you have not seen Avengers Endgame, please click off. And when the audio version of this podcast comes out, you're, there's going to be a point where you can fast forward it. But if you don't care, fuck it. We're going to talk about Avengers Endgame. What... Yeah, let's think? let's talk about that. Yeah, I saw that. Oh, I saw that opening night on Thursday night, and um, that place was sold out. Man, it was like a madhouse. You saw Thursday night. And what do you think? Uh, no, I, I saw it Thursday night at six o'clock at night. Oh, okay. And um, so, what do you think about it? How all the um, movie theater websites, uh, movie tickets, Fandango, all of them crashed. Because everybody wanted to buy those uh, Inventor in-game tickets. God dang. I I thought that was crazy. Because I knew, because the hype for a whole year, people's been waiting for this movie to come out. They've been waiting. Because after the events at the end of Infinity War, <clears throat> people are like, where are they going to go? And I loved how they marketed this movie. With the trailers, you know something's going to happen. Not too much is given away. Perfect. Perfect. You actually had to go see this movie. Okay. You actually had to go see this movie to find out what the hell are the remaining Avengers going to do. And with the addition of Captain Marvel. I was disappointed with Captain Marvel, but she played her purpose. She played her purpose. And just just the, the beginning of the movie. Dude. Thanos. <laughs> oh, he hey, he was on vacation. He was a farmer. He was farming. He used his armor like a scarecrow for his garden, gardening yeah. and stuff. He, he was just relaxing. Mm -hmm. He was. Which is, pretty, which is pretty crazy. And, you know, and, and the whole movie is great because it finished the Infinity storyline. It finished all the... Um, storylines for the 14 years Marvel's been going on and I love how they connected all the stories and finally you know ended it for that phase which was pretty cool yeah they the six Avengers Hulk Thor Captain America uh, Guardian Hawkeye Scarlet uh, yeah Black Widow they all they all got their they all basically got their story concluded there. Okay. Their story got concluded. And what about that twist with Black Widow? <laughs> Damn. Oh, that that was crazy. It was her and uh Hawkeye. They mm -hmm. went to go get, you know, one of the stones the, and the all soul that. Stone. Yeah, the the soul stone and they're fighting who's gonna sacrifice because one of them once you go down there you're you're dead. Yeah. And uh so the cool thing about it is uh, Black Widow sacrificed herself because she knew uh, Clint, you know, had kid, kids and a wife and stuff. Mm -hmm. So she tricked Clint and ended up, t uh, you know, uh, sacrificing herself so, so he can uh, get the soul stone. Yeah. That, that was crazy. That was crazy right there. I didn't expect that. Clint had nothing to lose. The beginning of the movie, man, was tear-jerking, man. When Clint was out there and then his, his family just whoo, 
dusted. Oh, yeah, it disappeared because it was happening at the end of what Thanos did when he did the snap of his fingers. Mm-hmm. And then um, everywhere you go, you always saw people disappearing, especially uh, with uh, Ant-Man mm-hmm. when he came back. Yeah. Uh, remember how he went, went back to his ex-wife's house? Yeah. And he knocks on the door, and, you know, it's like, <laughs> yeah. it's like, it, it, it's just, it, it was, he saw his daughter. She was, like, a little bit older and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, she was he was older. gone for, yeah, because he was gone for a long time because they thought, you know, he, like, uh, died and all that. And then he was trying to find the love of his um, wife, uh, not wife, life, uh, the wasp. So they had that special oh. cemetery of all the people that disappeared in the dust. Yeah, yeah. He was looking. He was looking for hope, and uh, yeah. Sh- or because remember, did, remember at the end of Ant Man and Wasp, the in credits, uh, mid credit scene. Remember that? Yeah. 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 Because that we saw what happened with them. He got stuck in the quantum zone, and he was stuck in there for five years. And he comes out, and he's like, well, "What the hell?" And it was just because. It seemed like he was in there for what a minute, and he comes out. But it seemed time passed. It was five years, man, five years, and he played the biggest part in the movie right there. Because if he didn't, if a rat didn't step on the thing, that was funny when he comes back, and then he's sitting there with the camera with the sign, "Let me out." <laughs> oh, I know that that was funny. Yeah. Or 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 what? A, I mean, that's so great, and I love how they did the whole tie-in with uh, the Guardians as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and what did you think about Thor five years later? He was lazy, <laughs> with a big beer gut, and he was drinking beer. Yeah, you had the Jeff Bridges thing going on, man, the big uh, big Lebowski. Lebowski. <laughs> he had the big Lebowski like, robe, and he had the beard, the glasses. That I was know. funny. I- I like seeing I like seeing the guy from uh, Thor Ragnarok, the big rock guy, was hanging out with him, playing, sitting there playing, playing Fortnite. <laughs> I know that, that was so funny, and then that was that was great. <laughs> that was great. I liked it when he's sitting there and they're talking. They're like trying to figure out at what times is the best time to get the stones, and then they're like Thor. He's like, tell us about the um, the reality stone. He's sitting there. And they're like, is he awake? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know, that was great. That was. And, and, and a hopeful movie is there's a lot of characters in that movie that sacrificed themselves. Yeah. Um, there was there was like a few more characters that um, died as well. Yeah. Um, uh, for example, let's talk about Tony Stark. Okay, five years later, you know, he was married to Pepper and he had a daughter. Yeah. Yeah. He. He, if you think, if you look at it this way, the MCU movies, okay, this story, 22 movies 10 years later, okay, it started with Iron Man, and it ended with Iron Man. Yeah, it did, and I, I love how they did that, yeah. and he, um, you know, and um, you know how he, he sacrificed himself and brought everybody back to the Marvel you know, universe and stuff, everybody came back to life again. Yeah. And then when he died, the cool thing I liked about his funeral is they had every character from everybody from all the movies. And if you notice, the kid that was standing in the funeral by himself, yes. that was the kid from Iron Man 3. 
Yeah, I remember that because my wife asked me about that. Who was that kid? I said, that's the kid from Iron Man 3. And she's like, I never did see Iron Man 3. And I So that means uh, Tony must have kept a close relationship with that kid if that kid was, you know, there at that funeral. Yeah, yeah, he, mu- he must have. He must have. And it was actually, you said Tony was the one who brought everyone back. It was Bruce. Remember, he put the glove on and he snapped. Oh, that's right. Bruce did. Yeah, yeah Bruce was smart Hulk. He was half Bruce and half Hulk. Yeah, what'd you, th- and remember, what'd you think about that, man? Remember, Him, what Yeah, he remember how he did that because he was, see, Tony had it first, but he couldn't control because he wasn't powerful enough, and that's how he died. And then when um, Bruce took it over, he had the strength to overcome that. Yeah, yeah, he did because of the uh, because of who he was. But in that last moment, right there, because he looked at remember he looked at Strange. He's like, "Is this one? Is this the one? What the only way to beat him out of that fourteen million you thought of?" And he was like, "I can't tell you." And that was, I mean, remember in Infinity War, Doctor Strange looked at fourteen million ways to defeat Thanos. He said, "There's only one way to do it," and they did it. They did it. I mean. I um Captain Marvel when she came in during that the fight scene at the end, dude, that was great. The the theater, tell me, tell me when you went and seen it, when Thor, Captain America, and Iron Man was fighting the 2014 Thanos after he came through, when they're sitting there fighting, and uh, when they're getting their butts kicked, and you know Thor, he got he got his original hammer back, and he has storm. Yeah, Molnar, Molnar, and yeah. was it cool when? Uh, Captain America picked it up, and Thor goes, "I knew he was worthy." Yes. And then Captain America was using it on Thanos. That everybody in that whole theater like cheered really loud. It felt like the theater was shaking when that when that part came. Same, same, same with me, man. Same with me when I was at the theater. When I was at the theater, soon as the hammer lifted up, and I was like, "What the hell?" All of a sudden, boom, and it was him, and he called it back, and he was, and I forget the line he said though. And yeah, when Thor said that, that was just freaking great. I loved how he's throwing the shield and hammer back and forth at the same time against Thanos. That was great, man. That was freaking. And and, and and remember, remember how they brought everybody back from the Marvel Universe. I love how they yes. made that little teaser where you saw all the women heroes together, which they were uh, giving you a tease that there's going to be a uh, female Avengers movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or I, and, and another another thing that gave me a tearjerker was the part where uh, Peter uh, went up to Tony and gave him that hug. You know, that because oh. Tony really loved Peter Parker like his son. Yeah, he did. He did. He loved him like a son. He he definitely loved him like a son, and that was that was that was a hard part there. I liked when when uh, Wanda Scarlet Witch came back. Yeah, and she was oh, oh she was bad at. <laughs> she was pissed, man. She was pissed, and it's like and Thanos is like, I don't even know what I've done. And it is like, oh yeah. But the sad thing about Wanda, she never got her man back. Uh, um, division, he never no. came back. No, but what I loved about Thanos in this movie was when he saw everything that unfolded that was going to happen. He he smiled, and they're like, "You die, Nebula," and um, you know um, what. Damn, what the hell's her name? Um, Aurora, I think. Um, 
You know what I'm talking about from Guardians? Oh, yeah. They went back and all that. And when Thanos, you know, brought back uh, Gamora and all of them, yeah, they Gamora. brought them back, you know, to where all, you know, all began. And Gamora, um, when they did that, it um, prevented Gamora from, um, you know, meeting, uh, you know, Star-Lord, you know. Yeah. Um, to that whole movie, she didn't know who he was. And then when finally Star-Lord finally saw her, Mm-hmm. She didn't know who he was, and yeah, you know, give like that meme of nuts and stuff, and and then she <laughs> and then she just like she just like mysteriously disappeared. Yeah, and I liked how they teach it for the Guardians of the Galaxy three. So you know, when Guardians come out, because it's getting ready to be filmed right now, yeah. you know, when Guardians come out, you know, you know, they're gonna go find Gamora. Yeah, of course, of course, Star Lord, uh, Star Lord is gonna go find his, the woman he loves, and. What I loved was when, when the after Thanos seen everything that was supposed to happen, and they're like, "You die," and he's like, "It was fulfilled." He he embraced it. He's like, "This is my destiny." It's like, oh my god! It's like he saw he was how and everything he was supposed to die. He was like, "Fuck, man." He's like, I did it. All he cared was, he's like, I, I got the stones, and I, I did what I was going to been talking about doing all these years. I did it. I did it. And he was just, he's he embraced it. That right there to me, I was like, this is one badass villain. He's like, fuck, I died. Okay, so what? He's like, I snapped my fingers. I did what I needed to do, and that that I wiped out half the universe, so... You know, I died. Okay, so what? I accomplished what I needed to do. If you, if you look at it that way. <laughs> so what do you think about it when uh, Steve Rogers grabbed all the stones and went back in time, but uh, he never came back? And I love how he um, you see him back way. He's an older man. He decided to stay back in the 90, in the 1940s with uh, his love of his life and just grew yes. old. I thought that was kind of cool. That that was good, and he got to have that dance with her. And when it ended, that was it, and I loved it. Did you hear? You heard about at the end of the movie? You hear that clanking of the iron, uh, paying tribute. Yeah, to I think that was the. Yeah, that was a tribute because that's all started him making that armor in that cave. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it started there. He made that suit, became Iron Man, and then look where it went, man. Look where it went. It ended with with Tony. That was pretty cool. Now, what did you think about Captain Marvel in that movie? Because she she held her own. I mean, she she did play a part in the movie, but I was telling a friend of mine, and I was telling my wife, I said, Marvel created a powerful character, and if they wanted to, they could have had her come in there, and basically, boom, that's it. But they held back because creating someone that powerful. She did hold her own and she did play a part in taking down Thanos because if it was for her doing what she did during that last fight, I don't think the Avengers would have had a they would have had a chance. But she she helped out, but in a way I wanted to see more from her. I was expecting more, but I wasn't. I didn't get that. So, you know, That was great. That whole movie was great. I just like how yeah. gave it an ending, and you know, it, 
Um, it was good. I, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a fun film. Mm-hmm. I did too. I did too. I can't wait for it to come out on Blu-ray because I'm going to get it. I have most of the Marvel movies on Blu-ray and I still haven't got them all yet, but I'm going to get them all just to have it. <laughs> I am. I am. I got, uh, I got the first Thor and Captain America and the first Avengers movie on Blu-ray. And uh, Captain oh, America, cool. the Winter Soldier, I have that. Now, on DVD, I do have Iron Man. I do have the first Iron Man. Okay. And the Incredible Hulk with Edward Norton. You can't forget about that one. That was part of it, too. The MCU leading up to, um, you know, where they got to 22 films later. But that was, this past weekend was crazy with the Avengers. And then to top it all off, to end it on Sunday night, Game of Thrones. Oh, my God. Game of Thrones. Oh, my God. I was so speechless. It was an hour and a half, the most bloody, brutal war that we've ever seen so far. So far of the final season, this has been my favorite episode. Yes. And uh, But the one thing I didn't like about it was the cinematography because it was filmed so dark, you couldn't really see anything. Yeah, it well, it was a night battle. It was a night battle. The uh, cinematographer. Yeah, I know that, but but it was really hard when they were filming on, on certain actors. Of course, it was. Yeah, and um, and it was sad. Uh, there was a lot of you know, uh, you know, a lot of the uh, you know characters died on there, like um, Killjoy. I um, I like Killjoy with uh, protecting Bram, the Third Eye Raven. Yes, and. I love how he sacrificed himself to protect him. But the cool thing is, I liked how uh, Arya Stark came by and uh, killed him with that uh, with that blade, the you know the you know the metal you know dragon you know blade. Yeah. And uh, she did that one move. She learned from that guy from the many faces. Yeah, the man of and the it, man, the the faceless man, the man with no face. Yeah, she learned that because. My wife pointed that out, and they said, "They said she said that he, she learned that." And I had my friend over. Uh, I rewatched the episode yesterday, and I had a friend, uh-huh. a friend of mine over who didn't see it and wanted to see it. And he was over, and he said, "Yeah, it's like that's the second time she did that." And I forgot about it. I forgot about that. And yeah, she she did learn that from him, the faceless man. And that was a shock right there, man. Arya Stark killing the Night King. <laughs> I'll tell you this. Um, I'm, I'm tell you this. She, she killed, once she killed the uh, Dark King, um, the Night King, mm-hmm. all, all, all the dead died, man. And, yeah. and then and then another, another sad thing was, uh, you know, Daenerya, uh, her uh, one... Uh, her the one who used to be the king's hand before Tyrion. Yeah, he sacrificed himself too, and she really like took that to heart. She really she cared did. about him, and and that was sad. But the cool thing is, he sacrificed her himself because he really he he loved her more than just being a friend too. Yeah, yeah, she loved he he loved her, but she didn't love him back the same way, and that that was. That was just that was tearjerker right there, man. But the, but 
he he went out dying, man. He 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 basically he fought till the death to protect her. And when he was down, my friend pointed this out, and I wa- I watched it because remember when he got stabbed uh, when he was down, he stood back yeah, up. Yeah, and he just kept on freaking fighting, man. He kept fighting until he was done. And the the night the night king showed how smart he was. I liked how when. He can't, he brought the storm in where they couldn't light the trenches, and the lady in red had to light it because Daenerys was so far up she couldn't see down. Uh, that was smart. Yeah. And then when she got he got knocked off his dragon, he's fallen. He's just sitting there just like falling. And then when she got above him, and when she had her dragon like burn him, it didn't burn him. And he was like, huh. And then when he was walking off and John was trying to track him down and when he turned around and he raised he raised a new army of the fallen comrades around that was fighting to kill the dead. <laughs> Damn. Oh, that was wild because John wanted to kill him. Mm-hmm. Or what do you think about the dragon fight where they were in a drag um, <sighs> on the dragon fight and the dead dragon? That was cool too. Dude, that was freaking great. I loved my favorite shot out of that move out, out of that episode was when they went up above the clouds and the moon and everything. I, I want to get that picture. I'm going to put it on as a background on my computer. I love that shot, man. But, you know, they thought that was a great idea. Let's get up above the clouds and uh, we can have a good bet. No, man, he comes up. You don't know where he's coming from. It's like Jaws coming at you. You don't know where he's coming out from below, but he's coming for you. And that was great, the dragon fight. Do you think that second dragon's dead when John's on, or do you think he's wounded? I think I I don't I, I well that dragon got attacked by the dead a lot too. You know, it was taken down. I I have a feeling the dragon's wounded because yeah. you didn't really see it like really dying. I think I think the dragon is like really wounded and stuff. Yeah. Or what do you think about that? What do you think about the hound? Going um, back to help, uh, you know, uh, Arya Stark, man. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, because he he was gonna give up. He's like, there, there's no fucking way we're gonna beat him. He's like, well, tell her that. What's his name? The guy who came back 19 times. Oh yeah, with the fiery sword. But he sacrificed himself for the Hound and Arya. Yeah, yeah, he did. He did. He 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 definitely he definitely sacrificed his, himself. And, and, and the, the perfect, perfect thing I liked I liked about the Red Witch. I love where she told um, uh, um, said she was going to uh, you know kill herself after the war's over. And, um, and you see her walk into the snow, and she takes that magic amulet off, and then she turns into her eight hundred year old self and just dies. Yeah, yeah, because everything. Everything she said, if they were talking about they, the story for this started in season three, and they built it yes, all it did. up to it. Because I love the part where she said when Arya runs into, runs into the lady in red, it says, "I know you," mm-hmm. and she's like, "She's like you said we'll meet again," and she said, "Yeah," and she said, uh, Arya said to her. You said I'll have brown, green eyes, brown eyes, and then she said, and blue eyes. And then when the White Walkers are trying to come in 
And she said, the God of death, what do you say to the God of death today? Or what would you, what do you want to, what do you say to the God of death? And Arya says, not today. And then she walks off. That's great because you forgot about her. Because in that final scene, when she jumps out and she stabs the Night King with the Valerian steel dagger that was given to her by Br- yep. Bran. You know, think about that. Think about that. And if you think about that too, you know where that dagger came from? It came from Cersei. It was it was given from Cersei, if I remember correctly. It was given from Cersei. Yeah, it was. It was given from Cersei. Yep. Cersei to um, Sansa. Sansa gave it to Bran. And then Bran turns around and he gives it to Arya. You know? And apparently Arya knew that the actress who plays her knew that she was going to be the one killing Night King and she was nervous about it because she said she didn't know how fans would take it. Are they going to take it good that a person her size, a statue, was going to take out the Night King because we always thought it was being well, well, they did, and Well, they also didn't take it lightly when she had that sex scene with that blacksmith. God, I know. I, I, it just it just killed me about that. People were freaking out about that. Like, no, she can't do that. It's like, dude, she don't know if she's... Honestly, okay, Robin, okay, it's you know uh, the army of dead's coming and you're and you're in a place with the opposite sex, okay? okay. All right, are are you want to have a good time because you don't know if you're gonna live tomorrow? Would you do the same thing? Oh heck yeah! But let, hey, let's hope it. Let, hey, let's hope it's not like if it was all the Night's Watch where it's all men. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, serious. I would have done the same thing. And people are like, oh, no. They're just going. It's like, shut up on Twitter. Shut up. And then like when comicbook.com puts out this article with during the episode, fans are outraged about Game of Thrones. And I'm like, oh, those guys, most of those are like, most of those are like clickbaits, man. They are. They are. Comicbook.com now is the TMC of the geek culture, pop culture, because they basically like to throw shit out there and just that's no one's really talking about, just to have something to talk about, something small and tiny. I saw, I went on Twitter, hashtag Battle of Winterfell. Ten people, or less, about ten people, like on the article, were complaining they couldn't see and comicbook.com and like everyone was all flipping out about it because they couldn't see the episode i loved how the cinematographer got on there today and basically said there's contrast on tv and i have to say i have four settings on my tv when I watch certain things on my TV. I switch it over to those settings because I can see it better. Okay. I have a setting for when I watch Game of Thrones because when the episode was on, I was like, I, I actually, I couldn't see it because I have a 50 inch, 50 inch flat screen. So I flipped over and I put it on my custom settings. Boom. I could see it. I could see the episode. But comicbook.com, they're like the TMZ now of Ginkdom. 
And it's like, come on, man. They used to be good, but now they're just garbage now. <laughs> most, of, most of those um, um, geek um, websites are usually are now, but sometimes there's some good story. Um, there's some good stuff, you know, coming up like movie wise or comic book wise, which yeah. is good. But but most of these, um, you know, geek sites. I mean, I'm guilty of reading them too. Most of them are just turning out to end up being clickbaits. They are, they are, because that's basically what it is. They're they're they become like TMZ, you know, like. Like, Kim Kardashian's pregnant. You click on the thing. And it's like, Kim Kardashian and Kanye West are you know, talking about maybe having a baby. But the, the headline oh, said... Uh, speaking, of, yeah. speaking of comicbook.com, they put another uh, post on. It says, uh, fans can't stop freaking out over that hilarious Captain America scene, the butt scene in Avengers Endgame. <laughs> really? I Who cares? Who cares? Yeah, yeah. It it happened once. That was it. I'm not gonna be like, yeah, I went and seen Avengers Endgame, Captain America butt scene. <laughs> I'm not. They're they're idiots. They're idiots now. They they've they got some good articles depending on what they put out there, but other than that, they're just garbage now. They've basically become this watered down website that basically makes you click on stuff and they i guess the person who put up the thing for game of thrones i think they had a midnight deadline and it was like you better come up with something and they're watching game of thrones and i hate the only time i jump on twitter social media when i'm watching something is in between commercials i don't sit there with my phone and spend most of my time on my phone tweeting and messaging and posting why the episode's airing because I'm going to miss something and I will. And I think they had a mid, they, they must've had a midnight deadline. Natalie, you know, whatever her name was, Natalie drum or whatever the fuck her name was is she had a must've had a deadline at midnight and she's watching game of Thrones. She got on Twitter and saw 10 people complained about how dark it is. It's like, Ooh, I think it'd be good for a clickbait article. And she puts it out there. You know, it's like, what the hell, man? <laughs> yeah, I'm serious. I'm serious. I, I'm sorry. When I when I see bullshit, I call bullshit, and that's some bullshit there. And well, and that's the thing. If you look at some of the um, the wrestling websites, they used to be real good as well. Now yeah. all of them are just making up, you know, stuff, clickbait. And there's wrestlers um, that have called them out going, that's not true. Yeah. Yeah, remember, remember last week. I, I believe it was last week or two weeks ago. Remember the CM Punk incident where he had a mask on. He did a run in for an indie yeah. show and left. And all these websites are blowing up about it. It's like everyone's excited. CM Punk, he did something with wrestling. Oh my god, he's coming back. Oh my god, you know. It's like if you actually did. You ever actually watch the video of that? Yeah, yeah, I thought that was crazy. <laughs> now, did you see, okay, did you see the the reaction in the faces of everyone when he comes running out, he he does his bit, and then he leaves? No one really cared. It was like, okay, 
All right, so what? A guy runs in, <laughs> boom, and that's it. But then other places are like, but it was CM Punk. It was CM Punk. It's, it's like, get over it. At first, I'm like, bullshit. I was like, he's wearing the same sweater he was wearing, hoodie. But then when it was actually confirmed it was him, I'm like, okay. I was like, he did a run-in. Okay. CM Punk only does something when he believes in it or if it's a friend that yep. he's close with. He won't do nothing unless he's 100%. He's going to put 100% into it, and he'll do it. Like he, when he did UFC thing, he put 100% into it, and he did that. He has friends in the wrestling community, and he did this because that's what he wanted to do. And he was supposed to take the mask off, and thank God he didn't because the Internet would have blew up. They would have blew up, man. <laughs> they would have exploded like the Night King did on the Game of Thrones this past Sunday. <laughs> oh, man. But I I just, you're right, man. Some of these wrestling sites and some of these comic book sites, it's just crazy now. And it's crazy. That's the world we live in, Robin. And it's like you said and I said before. I I love how things were back then because things were so much simpler. Like with wrestling. Yeah. I wish sometimes I didn't know. I wish things were still kayfabe. I do. I do. Oh, I miss those days. Mm. I do. I wish things were kayfabe, but this is the world we live in now. This is definitely the world we live in. But hell, man. We we had an amazing weekend just with Avengers and Game of Thrones and everything. And I, I think. Oh, here's another thing. Ringside News just posted this up. Um, CM Punk booked on night of AEW Double or Nothing. Hmm. Okay. Let's let's see what this has to say. This is from Ringside News. I'm curious now. It said AEW Double or Nothing event is going to be a big show. The Lee obviously want to put their best foot forward, but it, it but it very likely won't include CM Punk. CM Punk is is currently booked to be on commentary. During the um, during the May twenty fifth uh, event, this is taking place, and it's like a different event. And then uh, um, they said odds are um, CM Punk will be plenty busy that night, so don't expect him at double or nothing. <laughs> All right. So why are you saying he's booked on AEW or nothing when you're saying he's not going to show up? I mean, what kind of fucking clickbait article is that? <laughs> you see, that's a shit that it made you click on it, right? You see, they, they did their job. They made you click on it, man. They fucking made you click on it. That's what gets me about let's see some of the. Let's see what some of the comments. I like reading comments from other people because yeah. it's so funny. Yeah, the comment section's funny. What What's some of the comments? Oh, uh, here's, here's what one guy said. He said, wow, it li- literally says CM Punk will most likely not show up. Saved you a click. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. And he goes like this. He's booked that night, but not there. Y'all, y'all, this guy's like, y'all tricky with the headline. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Made you click on it. Made you click on it. Just love that. <laughs> and, and then this one guy did a meme that said, sit down, Mark, with punk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You got a you gotta CM Punk mark there. Okay. My, my thing about CM Punk is if he decides he ever wants to return to wrestling, he'll do it. 
okay? Mm-hmm. And if he wants to do a match, he'll do it. He wants to stay in USC, do MMA, he'll do it. And well, he not... still signed with he still signed with UFC anyway. Yeah, I I heard that he's going to be doing commentary, which I think is great because he's excellent on commentary. He's excellent on commentary. I'd I'd tune in just to hear him talk about fight going on. I definitely would. <laughs> but I, I like how they lied about that headline. Oh, he's going to be there, but you read it and said, oh, he won't least likely to be there. <laughs> Fuck, man. <laughs> I, I, the reason why I hit that was I wanted to make an example, you know, how everything is like clickbait nowadays. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, exactly. And perfect example right there. Perfect example, Robin. <laughs> perfect example. <laughs> now, speaking of clickbait, well, not clickbait, but if I happened this week or next couple weeks or next week decide to click on Russell Popcast, what should I be expecting in the upcoming weeks or in the future for guests? Oh, woo. <laughs> yes. Ha-ha. I, 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 got, I did a guest with Harley Fairfax tonight. Um, I need to still post, so I got to send that to you. I just did one with her tonight, nice. and then um, so far I'm working, talking to different wrestlers right now, um, scheduling right now. I haven't had any dates set up. I'm I'm working on some uh, guests right now. Okay, that's cool. Now, what about what about Files Thirteen? What uh, anything going on in the paranormal? Because I know you've been you've been doing a lot with wrestling podcast, and it's cool. Yeah to see you mix it up a bit with paranormal and stuff. Anything anything going on with that? Um I need to um uh, I need to work on that. Yeah, I've been I've been focusing on Russell Popcast a lot too. Um lately I used to remember how I used to focus on both of them at the same time and I'd, you know book pop up ep- a lot of episodes for each one. Yeah. Lately lately I just been focused on Russell Popcast and I don't know why and I do like the paranormal, don't get me wrong. I need to go out and start getting some paranormal guests. Yeah, yeah. Because when you when you do when you do files thirteen, a lot of people, uh-huh. a lot of people, you get a lot of good feedback on that. You you honestly, you get a lot of good feedback on both your shows. Both your shows, you get a lot, a lot of feedback. But when I when I see when I see files thirteen, when you do get a feedback on that, I'm like, wow, this is great, and you get a lot of likes and repost and shares same thing with Russell podcast and it's great man because you're out there and people love you and you go to a lot of conventions and stuff I got a slideshow I put up tonight right here and it has you like with Michael Buffer um, got you with uh, Mr. the president of KZW Mr. McGuire JJ Hurricane JJ McGuire and I spoke with him recently, and there's a lot of good things coming from the prez of KZW. A lot of good things coming, especially with streaming and talent and a lot of things to come. You know what I'm talking about, don't you? Oh, yes. And um, this, uh, uh, and I'm also, I'll be you know, uh, being part of that as their uh, ringside uh, reporter. Yeah. Yeah. Mr. Robin Full Nelson. Yeah, I love it, it, no, it's Robin Full 
F U L L Nelson. Get it right. Okay, okay. <laughs> Don't put me through a table if I come up to KZW one one at one point. <laughs> if I if I do or if Dave, or, or, alone. Or, or if Dave or if David C. Russell ever shows up. <laughs> <laughs> He's off the chat. He jumped out a few a few uh a few a few minutes ago. He jumped out. He got he got he got—he probably got bored because we were geek talking. Because he's not into all that geek stuff. <laughs> yeah, he—he nah. he left as soon as I said Avengers. I'm out. Instead of Avengers Assemble, Avengers dis disassemble. He disassembled and left. <laughs> that is so funny. Yeah, it is. But, dude. I, I loved having you on tonight and just shooting the shit and just having you on and just talking about wrestling, talking about Avengers, Game of Thrones, which I think is great. What you do in Kate, what you're doing in KCW, and it's just a great time. Just a great time. Dude, I miss Chris. What? what? Yeah, I miss Chris. <laughs> you miss Chris? Yeah, Chris. Chris Carnage. I mean. He's he's doing final score, Craig. He's been tearing it up. I wanna I wanna give a shout out and congratulations for final score because not only can you find final score now on Spotify, you can find it on Stitcher uh-huh. Radio. They put a post out just yesterday that they're on they're they're, they're on Stitcher Radio. They're you started a trend, man, because Russell Popcast, you started out you're on Spreaker. And then, what platform? What other? What are the other platforms you're on now that people can hear Russell Popcast and Files Thirteen? I, I can tell you right now. You can follow. Um, you can follow Russell Popcast at uh, Podcast City Network at podcastcity.net, and also uh, hitting the Marks Network, uh, uh, Spreaker, uh, Spotify, iHeartRadio, um, iTunes. And you can follow me at Twitter at WPopcast1 and then Facebook at WrestlePopcast. And you can follow me at YouTube at Robin Nelson's Wrestle Podcast Paranormal Files 13. Nice. I love it, man. I love it. I love all the platforms. You got them all covered. And, yeah, I I miss having Chris on and just chatting and talking and stuff. I know at the end of the month, I'm going to be having the KZW United States champion, the Chris Rose, come on to discuss the Money in the Bank prediction show. What, oh, I, uh, I, I, um, I, was, I was at a um, KZW uh, not too long ago, and I met Chris Rose. He's a nice guy. He is. He's, he's awesome. I've talk, had him on the podcast plenty of times on, on about all three different podcasts, the... Uh, this one here, the Everly Show, deleted wrestling podcast, and ELS Uncut, where he got into it with uh, Jeremy Rage. I thought was great. <laughs> Jeremy Rage. Oh, that's oh, awesome! Man. I didn't expect that, man. I'm like, oh god, I got something, you know. But Chris Rose has come on, and he's give us. We we did a WrestleMania prediction show, which I thought was great, and he's coming back at the end of, towards the end of this month to do a prediction show for Money in the Bank. I want to ask you real quick here, one last thing. Money in the Go Bank, ahead. it it don't seem like it is anymore where t- 
talent has to earn a spot to be able to climb that ladder and take that briefcase now. They basically is like, oh, here, here's you have now for the for the match. There you go. What the hell, man? What the hell? Dude, you have to also know, too, WWE's been dropping in ratings a lot, too. Yeah. Yeah, they have. I uh, I actually fell asleep last night watching SmackDown. And, that, and you know when the last time I fell asleep watching SmackDown was years ago when I was sick? That's a long time ago. I fell asleep watching SmackDown because I was sick. I was watching it last night. I fell asleep during the Roman Reigns match in the uh, B team. <laughs> I, I did. I was out. I woke up four o'clock in the morning and I thought it was. I was like, uh, uh, "What happened?" I, was, I looked four o'clock in the morning. I was like, "Son of a!" I was like, I got up, went back to bed, and I woke up an hour later trying to wake myself back up. And uh, actually, I didn't even want to wake up this morning. I was sitting there trying to fix a pot of coffee and sitting there I got on the computer and freaking dog and daughter wakes up and it's just like, oh my God. So I ran to the bathroom and jumped in the shower to get away from everybody. <laughs> oh, that's crazy. My morning sucks. Hey, I want to say th th this was fun, man. I'm glad you invited me to on and to shoot the shit. Yeah, I, lo I loved it, man. I loved having you on. And before I close... Before I close this yeah. podcast out, I want to mention that you can follow Robin Nelson's Files 13 and Wrestle Podcast right there on the screen right there and those listening on podcastc.net over on the Podcast C Network, your top source for independent podcasting. You can also follow Podcast C Network on Facebook, Podcast C Network, and send them a tweet on Twitter at PodcastCNet. Be sure to subscribe to the Podcast C Network on YouTube for latest content and shows uploaded on the YouTube channel. And subscribe and follow right here on twitch.tv slash Podcast City Network for when the Everlease Show, Final Score, and many other shows, part of the network of Podcast City Network, go live. You can catch and go back and replay. But also, you could follow the Everett Lee Show. Gentlemen, let's broaden our minds. For more of the Everett Lee Show on social media, follow and like the Everett Lee Show on Facebook, the Everett Lee Show, Twitter, at the Everett underscore Lee, Instagram, Everett Lee Show. Audio versions of this podcast and previously released podcast can be found on everettleeshow.podbean.com. Stitcher Radio, The Everett Lee Show, give a rating and comment. Apple Podcast, The Everett Lee Show, give a rating and comment. YouTube, The Everett Lee Show, subscribe to the channel. The Everett Lee Show, your shot of entertainment to the head. Robin Nelson, thank you for coming on. We're going to hit the outro music and we're going to ride out into the sunset. All right, take care. Good night. All right, Everly signing off. Everyone have a good night and a good week. We'll see you again next week for another episode of the Everly Show. Peace.